You're listening to Comedy Central. Live from New York City, it's The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. The State of the Union 2019, uncanceled. Ears edition. I can tell you the time right now. It's 11.02. I couldn't fake that. I could not fake that. (laughs) Anyway, just a few minutes ago, President Trump finished his second State of the Union address. And yes, his tie was crooked when he walked in. (laughs) Trump walked past 600 people, and not a single one of them had the balls to tell him. In fact, at some point, Mike Pence was like, this is the way ties should be from now on. (laughs) I guess we should be grateful his fly wasn't open. (laughs) Now, now remember, this speech was supposed to happen a week ago, but it was postponed because of the government shutdown, which is good, because it gave Trump extra time to practice mispronouncing big words. But the show had to go on, because for the political world, this is the biggest day of the year. Almost everyone who was important was there. For example, the Supreme Court justices were in attendance. Brett Kavanaugh celebrated his first State of the Union, and it looks like he came prepared. Yeah, look at that. In fact, he made it through (laughs) the whole speech and only puked twice. Yeah, (laughs) he rarely has grown. Oh, and as for all uh, the other Supreme Court justices, they just wore their their normal robes. uh, And like uh, Congressman Steve King, who you saw, he was wearing his normal robe. That's what that was. Yeah. Now, many people were asking, where was Ruth Bader Ginsburg, right? She wanted to come, but Democrats forced her to stay home in one of those safety orbs from Jurassic Park. That's what they did. They're like, please, just stay safe, Art. Please. Now, there's a tradition at the State of the Union for the president and for members of Congress to invite some special guests to sit in the chamber. Now, usually the guests are chosen to help make a political point of some kind, and this year was no different. Some Democrats have invited guests to send a message to the president, from undocumented immigrants who have worked on Trump properties to workers who were furloughed during the last government shutdown and transgender service members. The president invited Joshua Trump He's a Delaware sixth grader, and because he's often bullied for having the same last name, he was invited. Yeah, they say it's the State of the Union, but really, it's just an excuse for people to troll each other, right? Democrats invited undocumented immigrants who work for Trump, and on the other side, to try and show how intolerant the radical left is, Trump invites an 11-year-old boy who gets bullied. Yeah, just because his last name is Trump. So both sides are trolling each other so hard, I'm surprised that the Democrats didn't invite the kid's bully. You know? <laughs> Just Chuck Suma up there like, my special guest tonight is a 10-year-old, they call Knuckles, one of the top bullies around. He ripped the underwear straight off my body. <laughs> you gotta admit, though, inviting this kid is a pretty savvy move by Trump, right? It combines two major goals of his family, Melania's campaign to stop bullying and Donald's campaign to replace Eric. <laughs> now, another custom on State of the Union nights is that one cabinet member does not attend the speech and is instead taken to a secure location in case something catastrophic happens during the speech and someone is needed to run the government. No one knows where that is except for the Postmates guy who delivers his food. (laughs) And tonight, that cabinet member is Rick Perry. Yes, that's right. If everyone was gone, Rick Perry would have been the president (laughs) of the United States. 
Yeah, which is fine. I mean, he fulfills our new requirement for president. He's been on a reality show. It works. <laughs> and here at The Daily Show, we didn't take any chances either, right? We had our own designated comedy survivor, Ronnie Chang, everybody, just in case the State of the Union was catastrophically unfunny. We actually had Ronnie in a secure location watching something else on TV so that no matter what, we would have stuff to joke about during our live show. <laughs> so give it up for Ronnie Chang, everybody. Ronnie! Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much Thank for you. being out there. Uh... How did it go? Oh, it was incredible, Trevor. I sat in this damn bunker by myself and watched the only other thing on at 9 p.m., a rerun of Property Brothers. Uh, you want to hear the backup jokes I came up with? Well, we don't need the jokes okay, anymore. Okay, here we go. Uh, the most... Uh, you ever notice how one of the brothers always looks business and the other one always looks casual, but they both always look like douchebags? <laughs> yeah? No? All right. Uh, <laughs> the most stunning reveal of this show is that neither of these creepy-ass dudes ate their twin in the womb. Am I right? Yeah, uh, honestly, uh, the rest of these jokes are just about how all twins are kind of weird. Uh, oh, look, it's another me. Oh, wow, cool. It's like a mirror who can trick my wife into f***ing him. Okay, okay, that's probably good enough. Ronnie Chang, everybody. I'm, I'm glad we didn't need to put those jokes on the show. Now, luckily, we didn't need more of Ronnie's jokes because, like most of Trump's speeches, this one did have its funny moments. So let's get into the speech. Honestly, by Trump's standards, this was pretty chilled. Probably because Melania read it, let him run around outside to tire himself out, you know? <laughs> and speaking of Melania, she is really popular. Madam Speaker, Mr. Vice President, members of Congress, the First Lady of the United States, Look at that. An immigrant got the first standing ovation of the night. I'm so proud. So proud. My baby. She be best. Everyone's like, you stay with her. Well done. Who? We couldn't do it. And with all protocol observed, the president then went on to tell us how great he has made the United States. In just over two years since the election, we have launched an unprecedented economic boom. 5.3 million new jobs, 600,000 new manufacturing jobs. Wages are rising at the fastest pace in decades. We are a net exporter of energy. We are considered far and away the hottest economy anywhere in the world. That's right, folks. The economy's so hot. So hot, it could totally be my daughter. So damn hot. <laughs> so, so hot. Look at it. But Trump had a point with all of this. Basically, what he was saying was, well, with the economy being so hot, it would be a shame if something were to happen to it. An economic miracle is taking place in the United States, and the only thing that can stop it are foolish wars, politics, or ridiculous partisan investigations. If there is going to be peace and legislation, there cannot be war and investigation. Okay, that didn't make sense, but it rhymed. <laughs> I wonder if Trump just wrote a bunch of rhymes to try and stop the investigation. He was just sitting in front of the mirror like, life is fuller without Robert Mueller. <laughs> Any collusion is an illusion. 
If you lock up the orange, nothing rhymes with orange. Okay. <laughs> but look, man, bragging about the economy and denying collusion, that's just how Trump begins anything he says, you know? Even when he orders McDonald's, he's probably like, no collusion, millions of new jobs, and give me three apple pies, please. But all of that positive stuff is just his way of clearing his throat, right? The real theme of his speech was that we're all gonna die, Mexican style. As we speak, large, organized caravans are on the march to the United States. Ruthless coyotes, cartels, drug dealers, human traffickers, and sex traffickers, criminal, illegal aliens, child smuggling. The savage gang, MS-13, 4,000 killings or murders. Sadistic traffickers, very dangerous border. The president will be available for children's parties if you want to book him, folks. <laughs> Seriously, this part of the speech was so scary, he should have just been doing it with a flashlight under his chin. They're coming, MS-13! <laughs> but before you feel dejected, my friends, the president has some good news. You see, these problems can all go away for the low, low price of $5.7 billion. In the past, most of the people in this room voted for a wall. But the proper wall never got built. I will get it built. With a powerful barrier in place, El Paso is one of the safest cities in our country. Simply put, walls work and walls save lives. Really, Mr. President? Walls save lives? Tell that to Humpty Dumpty. He could have been an Instagram star. <laughs> now he's just a frittata with 27 likes. <laughs> now, this was a super long speech. Like, way, way longer than usual. It was so long, Nancy Pelosi got bored and just started looking through the menu halfway through. <laughs> like, what is she doing? I kept expecting a waiter to come over with an order of buffalo wings. Just be like, here you go, man. Thank you. <laughs> but eventually, there was one issue that woke up everybody and brought the whole room together. We have more women in the workforce than ever before. <laughs> Don't sit yet. You're gonna like this. <laughs> we also have more women serving in Congress than at any time before. Yo, Donald Trump is a rock star, guys. <laughs> he just took credit for the Democrats electing more women. <laughs> that is such a rock and roll move. <laughs> Look at what we've done, folks. Look at what we've done. I mean, to be fair, Donald Trump has done more to get women Democrats elected than anyone else, so I guess he does deserve the credit? <laughs> yes, the same way we should thank smallpox for getting us into vaccines. You know how it goes. <laughs> Oh, and we should also be thankful to the president for keeping all of us out of hypothetical wars. If I had not been elected president of the United States, we would right now, in my opinion, be in a major war with North Korea. But thanks to me, folks, Kim Jong-un has walked all over the United States, built more missile silos, and given us nothing in return. 
They can't go to war with you if you've already surrendered, folks. I did it! <laughs> I did it! It's a brilliant line of reasoning, right? Where he's like, in my opinion, yeah, yeah, in your opinion, anything can be right. <laughs> he's not wrong. In my opinion, we would, yeah, in, in my opinion, if Hillary won, we would all be strawberries. That's my opinion. <laughs> I can't be wrong. So all in all, this was one of Trump's tamer speeches, believe it or not. Border wall, illegal immigration, economy's doing great, hashtag no collusion. Same old, same old. Yeah, it was pretty much along party lines. If you're a Democrat, you stayed in the same place. If you're a Republican, you stayed in the same place. But there is one thing we can all agree on. He read really well. <laughs> yeah. He's really improved. Like, I don't know if he's ready for a second term, but he's definitely <laughs> ready for the second grade. <laughs> I'm so proud of him. And, and to his credit, he tried to end the speech on a presidential note. I ask the men and women of this Congress, look at the opportunities before us. Our most thrilling achievements are still ahead. Our most exciting journeys still await. Our biggest victories are still to come. We have not yet begun to dream. That's right, folks. We have not yet begun to dream. In other words, the nightmare is just beginning. <laughs> Stay tuned. After the break, The Daily Show is still live, and we'll go to Roy Wood Jr. for the Black State of the Union. We'll be right back. Don't go away, everybody. <laughs> We just got out of the State of the Union. Now, during tonight's State of the Union, President Trump spelled out his vision for America. I mean, he didn't literally spell it out because spelling isn't something he does, but he told us where he sees the country going. And as is tradition, the State of the Union was followed by several rebuttal speeches. You know, former candidate for governor uh, of Georgia, Stacey Abrams, delivered the Democratic response. Uh, California Attorney General Javier Becerra gave a speech on behalf of Spanish-speaking Americans, and Mitt Romney gave a speech on behalf of Americans who think ketchup is too spicy. <laughs> and here at The Daily Show, we have our own annual response, where we cover the issues that are of special importance to black America. So please rise, but not really. You can just clap as Roy Wood Jr. enters to deliver The Daily Show's annual State of Black Shit Address. <laughs> Good evening, black people, African-Americans, people of color, and white people taking their 23 and Me results far too seriously. 2% skim milk. Mm-hmm. I'm Roy Wood Jr., and I'm speaking to you from the capital of black America, the corner booth of a Waffle House in Birmingham, Alabama. I heard this the one Dr. King stopped at when he came from Selma. Mm. Mm-hmm. Tonight, we black people are gathered here to once again ask ourselves the question, where we is. First of all, we're glad the government shut... We're glad the government shutdown has ended. We're glad the government has opened again. Because let me tell you, this shutdown hit black America especially hard. I was at the airport and I saw a lot of black people working for free. I'm surprised you didn't catch TSA agents singing airport spirituals. Shoes off and laptops out When you bring your carry-on classic. But we will not... We will not allow the shutdown to overshadow our triumphs 
from the past year. My fellow black folks, I'm here to tell you with confidence, the state of black shit is black as shit. In November, in November, more black Congress people than ever were elected to the House of Representatives. USA! Okay. USA! Okay. USA. We know where we live. Mm. And we're even gaining representation abroad. Meghan Markle is now the second black person in the royal family. Wait, who's the first? The first one is the queen. She drives a Bentley. She got all them fancy church hats. That's black. Okay. Yeah, that is pretty black. That them is hats black. is nice. Yeah, them hats is real nice. Another thing to celebrate. Black unemployment is at an all-time low. And for that, we have to thank the president. Obama. Yeah, Obama. You know any other president? What president you thought I was talking about? I don't know. Obama. That's, 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 that's my president. That's my president. Obama. I mean, that's my we president. Talking about Obama. I don't know that Obama? man. I don't know that man. Okay, all right then. Now, <laughs> let's talk about the state of black music. Beyonce conquered Coachella. Kendrick took home a Pulitzer. And 2018 was the year we finally stepped up and muted R. Kelly. That mangy bastard. Uh, wait, wait, wait a minute, Madam Speaker. Just hold on. A charge led by black women forced our community to finally confront R. Kelly. He ain't shit. You understand me? Just let me finish. Let me finish. Our community confronted R. Kelly and finally said, enough is enough. All right, do it now. I said what I said. Okay. Now, of course, 2018 also reminded us that in America today, white people will still call the cops on you just for being black. Being black at a barbecue. Mm. Or being black at a pool party. Or a lemonade stand. Or just trying to sell a little weed out of your apartment. Mm. That's, that, that's illegal. Okay, whatever. Okay. <laughs> Where was I? Ah, yes, white ladies. When they called the cops on us for no reason, we changed their names to some shit that they'll never live down. And black people rallied together all year long. When Kanye went to the White House and gave a TED Talk and a MAGA hat, black people came together and we boycotted the bad songs on his album. And... (laughs) And to support our brother Colin Kaepernick, we all bought a fresh pair of Nikes. Wearing mine right now. Boy, get your foot off this couch, Dr. King said here. My bad, sorry. And this, lastly, brings me to the future of black shit. And the future's looking bright. We're finally getting some criminal justice reform. Jordan Peele's dropping another scary-ass movie. And there's not one but two black people running for president. Kamala and Corey. Mm-hmm, team light skin. Not the time, not the time for that. It's not the time. So, black people, when you ask the question, where we is, I say to you, we're on our way to a future that's looking bright and a future that's looking black. God bless you. God bless black America, and God bless the 34 TV shows hosted by Michael Strayhands. I say good evening. You shouldn't have to pay for this food. You shouldn't have to pay for this. It's like this for much. I don't think it's like this. Leave it here. Leave it Show coming to you live off the State of the Union. My guest tonight is an op-ed columnist for the New York Times, a CNN contributor, and author of three best-selling books. Please welcome Frank Bruni to the show, everybody. <laughs> welcome. Thank you. Let us jump straight into it. <laughs> what did you make of the State of the Union? 
Well, you know, I mean, it was a real whiplash experience because there were the moments when he was appealing for unity, you know, right. saying he wanted to take a bipartisan approach. And then there were the moments when he was lying. Um, and, and essentially bathing Democrats with those like descriptions of abortion laws that were yes. entirely exaggerated. And then there was the whole border, you know, which he, you would think after the longest shutdown in federal history, he might temper his language a little bit, he might retreat, but it was as blood-soaked and lawless and, you know, fantastical in terms of its relation to the truth as ever. Right, but it seems like Trump has a very simple message, and that is, let us all come together doing what I want. <laughs> that seems pretty much what his message is. I would, um... I think that's fair. I would just elongate it a little bit. Let us all come together doing what I want and, and constantly praising me. Oh, yes, I think of I would. I think that's he part loved of that. it, too. Yeah. I, mean, when, 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 I mean, that was probably one of my favorite moments. We talked about it earlier, but was when, when women stood up in Congress and it was the Democrats who were newly, the freshman Democrats, and he was like, yeah, that's, that's what we did. Yeah. He made they it, did it not do was that. his thing. No, I mean, this was great because everyone was wondering how was he going to be affected by yes. Nancy Pelosi literally being on his shoulder. Right. Like, if you looked at the, say, the right camera angle, she was like this head on his left shoulder, yes. right? Yes, yes. And you thought, is that going to freak him out? Is it going to put him off of his modest game? And the answer was he was going to pretend to be a feminist for the evening. He was right. going to take credit for all the women in white sitting there. And the truth is, if the Republican candidates whom he had advocated for had won, there would not be a record number of women in the House. Wow. So that was, um, it, his inner feminist is fraudulent, let's say. <laughs> to say the least. To, to say, say the least. least. Yeah. Um, the, the, the lies in and around the border. It was particularly egregious. I mean, he came in and basically went from the State of the Union is strong to America is dying very yeah. quickly because immigration is uncontrolled and we need to stop it with a wall. And the caravans are coming. And yes. they're sending the troops to the border. Yes, the because caravans otherwise are, it's are coming. We yes. just found out now yeah. that they're coming. There's a new one coming. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like at, at what point do you think... Like, how do, you, how do you even think Democrats begin to combat this narrative? Is there a thing, or do, or do they just have to legislate around what Trump... Well, believes? I mean, so far, they've been fighting it with facts, and the American public is on their side. If you look at opinion polls, Americans don't think we should do anything and everything to have a border wall. Right. They blame Donald Trump for the shutdown. So, so far, Democrats are winning, and that's why I think it was so unnerving to have Nancy Pelosi's head on his left shoulder. Right. Yeah. When you look at um, some of the people they cut to in specific moments, speaking about issues, you know, there was the one cut where they went to, they went to Bernie Sanders, specifically, when he talked about socialism. They're like, socialism will not live in this country. They cut to Bernie, he's just like... Yeah. It, it, yeah, it, like it, flop sweat. Right. Yeah. It, 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 do you feel like... Do, does he write those four specific people, or do you think the news just finds a narrative and they go, this is who this line best applies to? I think all of the above. But I think the socialist line was... He, and there is... There are a number of Democrats, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez among them, who wear the label Democratic Socialist. Right. The socialist part of that label is something that Republicans are seizing on. And I think now, as we get toward the 2020 campaign, you're going to hear Donald Trump talking more and more about Democrats' desire to turn America into a socialist country, which is, of course, absurd. Right. One of his biggest achievements that he touted in the evening was that we are not at war because of him because in his opinion, we would have been at war were it not for him. And North Korea has not done anything because of him. But that's not what his intelligence officials have said. Well, first of all, it was so surprising to hear Donald Trump give himself so much credit, because usually he's so modest about these things. <laughs> um, so that... That sort of threw me off entirely, yeah. But, um, no, it is fascinating, because just a week ago, his intelligence chiefs were giving public testimony, and they were basically saying the opposite of half of what he said in this right. speech tonight. So you got to give the president credit. He sticks to what he wants to say, even if the facts completely contradict him. Right. <laughs> going forward, do you think this is going to be one of those nights where people go, oh, the, he was presidential, he... 
he looked like a president up there and he's ready to lead this country? Or do you think the facade of Donald Trump reading words off a prompter has now... Uh, it doesn't affect people as much anymore? I'll answer your question with a question. How soon does he begin to tweet? That's when... <laughs> That's when the presidential aura goes completely away. Oh, that's powerful. Teleprompter Trump and Twitter Trump are two entirely different pieces. What's interesting is I find that his tweets uh, directly correlate to what they say about his speech on the news. So you find if everyone on cable news says this was a great speech, Donald Trump is going to tweet out wonderful things in the morning saying, let's come together. And if you write something horrible about him, he's going to tweet. So the power is in your hands. Oh, wow. I don't know how to deal with that, Trevor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Excited to have you on again. Frank's columns appear in the New York Times every Sunday and Wednesday. Really smart, really funny guy. To subscribe to his weekly newsletter, go to newyorktimes.com slash Letter. Frank Bruni, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.